0: This, leaven, 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 leaven. this is laughing, 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 laughing. This is the hervegan them. Two outlaws on the lamb, taking the back roads through America. You
1: can't drink enough coffee for this show. And now it's time for Monday Madness with the Moped Outlaws, Greg and Mark. Ha ha ha. Beautiful, baby. A song
0: about sailing across the sea to find love.
1: Is that what it is?
0: Yeah, I read the lyrics. (laughs) Because, of course, no one knows what those lyrics are.
1: I heard that there was rumor that it was was about Cunnallinus.
0: Well, according to the lyrics, that would be a far-fetched kind of idea.
1: Okay. I think when you don't understand the words, it goes sexual.
0: Yeah, anytime you want. We're sexual beings who need yeah. sexual healing, especially in these days.
1: Hey, did you see Brig offered to uh, be a guest on our podcast?
0: I saw that. I so did. I,
1: we got to do that.
0: I agree. What right. do we talk
1: about? <laughs> Mayonnaise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so glad you got that joke. <laughs>
1: So we're coming in
0: live um, and clear on a Friday afternoon.
1: No, on a Monday.
0: Well, we're live Monday. We're live now and then on Monday.
1: Yeah. The podcast goes live Monday, Mark. Thank you for reviewing the secret sauce to our fried chicken. Now everybody's just going to stay at home, make it themselves, and not come to our drive-thru. Thank you very much. Capitalism crash.
0: Well, it's good to know that I can still irk Wilker.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look at how you turned the table on that. That was pretty good. (laughs) So we're celebrating Juan Santa Maria Day.
0: Yes, well, we're learning about what it means to celebrate Juan Santa Maria Day.
1: No, we're celebrating. Okay. Fuck the filibusters. Fuck them.
0: Yeah. And the power of the drum. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Juan Santa Maria Rodriguez, who was born April 29th ninth, 1831 and died in 1856, a very short life. He was a drummer in the Costa Rican army and he's recognized as a national hero of his country for his actions. in the second battle of Rivas during the quote filibuster war, Greg, what was the filibuster war about?
1: So this fucking idiot, I forget his name from the U S
0: William Walker.
1: Is that his name? William Walker. He'd go to these, um, small countries and start a war with the idea of, taking over and mostly for slave trade, like get pe- slaves and, um, just like suck the country dry. So he'd go in, I think he'd go in, you know, like revolution. Yay. But yeah, he'd start a, a war and then,
0: yeah. So colonial- Maria, yeah. C- c- capitalism, colonialism, yeah, and the reason we're celebrating Juan Santa Maria Rodriguez is because he was just a dude who decided he was going to do something himself, and he lit fire to the garrison.
1: And he was also
0: a drummer, right? But he he's there's a statue of him in Costa Rica, which shows him bearing the torch. And so when you say torchbearer, you're actually making a reference to Juan Santa Maria Rodriguez.
1: Wish Ooh. I could sing that song in Spanish. That'd be awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that wasn't on the production notes for this week, but no, nope. uh, no. Neither was Louis Louis.
1: But I <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> got to talk to Art, man. Art is really failing as our producer.
0: Actually, he's doing a pretty good job. Really? We have stuff to talk about.
1: Yeah. But it <laughs> seems like we have to do it ourselves.
0: Yeah. Art well, stands for already redundant. Thank you. Well, that was kind of an arty way of putting it. But anyway, I've too oh. much.
1: Yeah, it is pretty cool. So did you read up on uh, Juan Santa Maria?
0: Yeah, just a little bit. Not, I wouldn't say I studied the situation. I just got enough of, of what it was that I shared Um From what I read, he didn't really consider himself – he was very modest. He didn't consider himself a hero, and it wasn't until 35 years after he died that they began to idealize him.
1: Yeah, they kind of used it as a way to celebrate their independence. Yeah,
0: and And to rally people around maintaining their independence.
1: Yeah, and kicking William Walker to the curb.
0: Costa Rica is a pretty amazing spot.
1: It is pretty amazing,
0: one of the things that people may or may not know is that Stephen Stills from Crosby Stills and Nash was born there,
1: really. I didn't know that, yeah, he's very white he's, for a white guy.
0: Well, he's born to uh American parents, and his father was in the c i a when he was stationed in Costa Rica little tidbit: that's his
1: grandfather William Walker,
0: no. Yeah, so it's important for us to learn new things every week about anti-colonialism. So we can actually realize that Manifest Destiny was just
1: BS. Hey, did you? um... Yeah, but you know, the thing is, this is what I hate. I hate... Attribute, what I see as human attributes being attributed to a race or a culture. Like manifest destiny is just a human thing. Like, I mean, that label is a label, but humans have been out to conquer. That's a human thing to conquer other civilizations.
0: Well, Manifest Destiny was just a doctrine that was issued by an an organization, an institution to justify the kind of land piracy that they ended up, you know, using as, as an excuse.
1: Right. But the Moors did the same thing.
0: Oh, just, I don't think the Moors issued a decree of their preeminence across the land. No, they just and, did it. They it didn't feel it. a
1: need to, to issue a decree. They just did it. Well, just so there's, that's the difference.
0: Them. So you're teaching me something today. What did the Moors do that I don't know? You're alluding to something that is beyond yeah, They went and,
1: and conquered Spain. Italy, Spain, France, I think. I know Italy and Spain for sure. I don't know about other countries. Raped and oh. pillaged. Took it over. Awesome. I was speaking so highly of them just last week. Well, you know, they were an advanced culture, and that's the thing. That's just humans, human beings have a propensity to do bad things. I don't know if having a propensity. We have the ability. Like, we humans can be as evil as we want to be. That's fucking hilarious. (laughs) End of show. This is our shortest podcast episode ever.
0: No, but I think you're right. And, and you know, I, of course, me being me, I was like looking for a way to put like some kind of positive spin on it or kind of justify your or, you know, make it okay. Um, and, you know, the best thing I could do was was say something stupidly funny. Um, it worked and for now. Right. Yeah. Until evil creeps back into this podcast again.
1: Evil. Oh, that reminds me of Time Bandits. Supreme Being. Oh yeah. No, what was it? It was it was the Supreme Being and Pure Evil? Oh, yeah, I, I don't remember. Dang it. I was
0: stoned all five times I watched it.
1: Oh. Um, was it Supreme Evil? No, I'm looking it up. All right. See?
0: Well, Time Bandits, for those of you who don't know, is this amazing movie made by Terry Gilliam, funded by George Harrison.
1: And, the and George writers. Harrison does a lot of the soundtrack, which is pretty awesome.
0: And it's about this group of little people who get shunted from time to time through these crazy portals. And they're just trying, basically trying to find their way home and, and stick together. And meanwhile, they're on an adventure of discovery. And it's hilarious.
1: And it's also kind of um, got some great insights. So it was just evil, but evil created the most fabulous object in the world, which would lure people into ultimate darkness.
0: Yeah, kind of like the, uh, the plot for Heavy Metal, the movie.
1: Well, that was a lot of plots in Heavy Metal, the movie.
0: Yeah, there's the one shiny object thing that they used to tie all of the plots together.
1: Uh, that I don't was, remember that that.
0: Lure people into darkness. It's a common theme. It's a manifest destiny of movie um, MacGuffins.
1: Well, it is also just that, you know, temptation. Like temptation is temptation because it is alluring. If it was like, hey, that's ugly and gross, but come here anyway.
0: Well, and, you know, is it always evil? I don't think so.
1: I did get a critique from a friend on our last episode. He said we lost him at the Bitcoin talk.
0: Yeah, well, that's his loss.
1: Exactly.
0: We can't please everyone. Was so we- he curious? Did he ask more questions? Or did he just, did he just gripe?
1: No, he just said we lost him at the Bitcoin so- thing. I mean he was too
0: stupid to understand or that he got bored or he had judgment bored. about the fact that it consumes a lot of power. Bored. Bored. Yeah. Well he um, certainly won't find us to be not boring from time to time. I think it goes with the territory. You know, I mean, it's not Harley outlaws. It's not, you know, Chevy Harley 150. Now Ford Harley's going to yeah, walk up to Moped us. Outlaws, right?
1: Like slap our face.
0: You're supposed to be underwhelmed a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be hallucinogenic.
0: Well, I don't know. Maybe we maybe that's this is all uh, an illusion. Maybe this what's happening all right been now.
1: Here before I have been having so many déjà vu experiences recently. It's really crazy.
0: What happens if you have deja vu about having deja vu?
1: What happens if you have deja vu about having deja vu?
0: What happens if you have deja vu about having deja vu and having deja vu about having deja vu?
1: You eat your asshole.
0: (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) I was having a great dream last night. I dreamed last night that I was piloting a spaceship that could jump through, um, uh, through hyperspace. And I didn't exactly know how to make it work, but I knew that where the lever was. And I was like, I made it jump once. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. And there were people with me. I don't remember exactly who they were, but then there was like, I went back into the cockpit to try and jump again, to go to a new spot. And like, the cockpit was like covered in dirty laundry and I couldn't find the lever. (laughs) I think I was kind of struggling with my covers in my sleep. And then I finally, I found the lever and I pushed it and we jumped and the spot we went to was really weird because there was a space shuttle there, like a NASA space shuttle. And I was like, well, this is a weird universe, but it was miniaturized. Like we went to a world where NASA was like as big as a Corgi car. And so I would we were giants. We landed on this world and we were giants. And uh that that was when I woke up.
1: That's brilliant. I have a question for you. If I got a screenplay that's just off its rocker, just makes no sense to me at all. That I've been offered a role. Do you think I should take it just to have the experience of creating a character and working my chops?
0: Well, as an actor I think there's this balance between doing work that you'll be happy is out there and be associated with versus doing work because you need to do work to continue to, to make your craft.
1: So well, they are not getting paid. So it would be, you know, to really work the craft to learn, you know, put energy into acting. Right.
0: So, all right. So there's this context and it doesn't make sense. Does the character make sense to you? Does the, the being that you're going to bring to life have some value to you?
1: Well, it's an overlord character. So that's kind of like, okay, the bad guy. Okay. And the reason I it sparked because what you just said is kind of the plot of this movie. There's this planet that's hurtling through space with these alien mm-hmm. beings and it comes into earth's gravitational field and crashes into earth but the planet's municipal, you know, it's, it's small. So it's like a little meteor hitting the Earth. But for these beings, it's their planet. But then they take over bodies and it's just, it's so, it's so whacked. It's and part of why I'd be okay doing it is because like, okay, this makes no sense. Let's just go have fun. I'll support your... Creative vision. I have no idea what this is. So you're not getting
0: paid, but you get to play an evil, dark overlord. Right. And you're smiling, telling me about it, which tells me you're in already. Like uh, you don't even need my answer.
1: Okay. That's a good,
0: yeah. That's a good I,
1: witness test.
0: It seems to me like you would just love to play a good villain.
1: Is there such a thing as a good villain?
0: Well, in the sense of being an actor, there is, playing a Having a good juicy villain role to play, yeah.
1: A bad juicy villain. <laughs> God, what's one of the worst villains you can think of that was just super like real evil? I just thought of one, and that's what sparked my.
0: Question. Oh, tell me. Give me a chance to think of one for myself. While you uh,
1: um, the Robert De Niro role in was it Cape Fear? Was that the movie? Um, where he plays the guy harassing the family of the, oh, I think it was.
0: Ke- I think that's it, but I don't. I you know he he wasn't and, menacing enough
1: for you, or he wasn't scary. No, you. no, he was like that was fucking evil. He. So why was, is it
0: a oh, bad dear. evil? What?
1: No, that's I'm saying. I'm playing off you know good evil like. Oh, I see.
0: He's good at it. evil. No, no, no.
1: My first joke was, can you really be... uh, uh, Yeah, so it is. it was the remake of Cape Fear, Max Caddy. Um, When you said, a good bad guy, I was playing off good as a literal adjective. Can you really be a good bad guy? I knew what you meant.
0: Yeah, well, David Prowse... Was a good bad guy, you know, with a little help from um, the voiceover by uh, Jones, uh, James Earl Jones, and then Robert De Niro on Cape Fear. All right. Um,
1: like now I'm And now my question is, can you think of a character that was just so fucking bad? Just like, Wow. Another one just came to mind. Um, The plantation owner in Django Unchained just spaced out the actor's name. Yeah. He was a great. But I think Robert De Niro was even. I was just so.
0: Well, he's also like that in Taxi Driver. Very dark.
1: Very dark, but here's the thing: like, but taxi taxi driver, that character was coming from a good place, you know. It was just warped. It was in Cape Fear. There was no good place. He's well aware of it, and he doesn't give a fuck.
0: Yeah. Well. The My response probably says a lot more about me than it does about you, anything really we're talking about. But I think the guy who played Satan in Tenacious D, the Matthew um, pick, <laughs> was a good bad guy. He did a good job.
1: Yeah, but he wasn't evil. There was nothing evil in that movie. <laughs> that was all good fun and humor.
0: So you think.
1: Well, now you might as well, like... What about the devil in South Park? <laughs> what do he's too di- he,
0: two, two-dimensional. He's not three-dimensional enough.
1: <laughs> that was two-dimensional acting. <laughs> you know what I don't like about South Park? It's all two-dimensional acting.
0: <laughs> yeah, evil characters. Uh whew.
1: You could um, say that what's-his-name from um, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. There again, like, there's something about Cape Fear where he would just harm anybody. He didn't care. And even, I forget the guy's name, Hannibal Lecter, he had his moral code he lived by. Yeah. His values Cape Fear, them. he had no moral code at all. That's my experience of that character. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not really, uh, thinking of anyone that, that comes to mind, um, right off the bat that, that really personifies that, you know, um, uh, there's a woman who played the lead in devil's devil wears Prada. I thought that character had some really sinister aspects to her. Very cold-hearted. Very, you know.
1: Um. Yes, I hear you. But what about that scene when she's getting a divorce, <laughs> and you know, and the assistants like, "Do you want to take a break, or do you want to?" And you know, she's like, "No, no, we're gonna have this, we're going on." But you could see like. She's wrecked. It's hard. It's not a good thing. The show must go on. Right. Yeah. Um, And then there's that end thing in the car at the very end where she says, you know, people want to be us. And that's when the girl gets out of the car and goes, I don't want to be this.
0: (laughs) I'll talk a little bit about a childhood trauma. It's kind of off the subject a little bit. But I grew up being a huge Robert Knievel fan, a huge Evil Knievel fan. And at first it was because of that George Hamilton movie, which romanticizes his life, you know, and even depicts the, how he kidnaps his wife as part, and marries her that way. And, you know, in the movie, it's, it feels really romantic in a way. But then later on, as I got to be older and, and, and Evil Knievel's life, you know, stopped being quite so lustrous to me, you know, he was carrying around baseball bats and beating people up in bars. And he was a total whole total racist and you know all these horrible things about him and so i think there's this form of evil that masquerades as patriotism and and bravado and so ultimately you know he turned out to be pretty evil as evil can evil
1: yeah and that's a good point of um a hero you know Like, I imagine the Native Americans don't really look at George Washington and uh, as a hero.
0: <laughs> nope. You know who else played a, a, a really good evil guy is Dave Grohl in Studio 666. Did you watch it? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, my God. All right, he, so you, he does, he does a pretty good job it? of
0: it in there. He, you know, there's moments where you really get, you know, it's campy. It's mostly campy. But yeah. there's a few good moments where, you know, he's, he, he's pretty good.
1: Well, in the trailer, like, they do have a Red Band trailer. And I saw the barbecue scene. I saw the bedroom scene. That was pretty horrific, man.
0: Yeah, it's very, very bloody, that movie. Yeah. But, but I think what we're talking really is the kind of the embodiment of malice. Yes. Right. Yeah, the the exactly. spiritual entity enters into the body and there's this full on embodiment of it. Um, right. I think Ian McDermott as Palpatine on several different levels in Star Wars. He, he's a great evil
1: character. Yeah, I'd go for that. Yeah, yeah. definitely.
0: Um, <clears throat> and, you know, you said George Bush.
1: <laughs> I did,
0: but he wasn't in a movie. <laughs>
1: so. Well, I don't know. See, I don't think he was the embodiment of evil. Nope. Wow. <sighs> Politics um, uh, is so whacked. That's the thing. I just think we attempt. I know. I, I do. I catch myself attempting to go. Yes, no, with politics. Good, bad. You know, it's all this, and that's the end. Draw a very hard line. And there isn't a hard line when you start digging into it.
0: How, be- how very binary of you. I know, right? <laughs> what, one of the great things about drama, I think, is the way that good drama, well-written drama, well-acted drama, actually begins to make us realize that, except for the very thin line of decision-making, we each could potentially have a very evil expression of ourselves.
1: Did you see, um, oh, damn it. What was the name of the movie? Something wild. It was like late eighties, I think. Yeah. To me, that scene where Ray Liotta and I forget the actor's name, who's playing the straight business guy but where they're facing each other and the camera whips around. So it's like they're on a turn to that to me was saying how like either one of these guys could have been, they're just there.
0: And I think Ray I, Liotta was, is a really good evil dude.
1: Oh man. He was so good in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. He was scary.
0: You know, which um, uh, as far as being a, not so good evil guy in Constantine De Niro plays the devil again. And he's, he's not scary at all. It's he's not, it, he doesn't feel evil at all in that movie. It feels yeah. way it, he, to me, it really wrecks the illusion of Constantine because of the way he plays that character.
1: He was a great devil in um, the one that took place in new Orleans. With, uh, oh, dang it. Why am I not remembering these names? Um, okay, I'm looking this up because it's so dang good.
0: So while he's looking this up, I'm going to do a small ad for MCT Oil. You, too, can improve your memory and your brain power as you age using MCT oil in your coffee, in your green shake, or even as part of your sauces. Just remember, as things get older, they get less useful, and you're looking at them.
1: Oh, damn it, I didn't make it. Um, What was the name of the movie? It was with, um, hold on, one moment, please. Um, one moment, please. Cape one moment, Fear, please. Awakenings, good fella. They're tuning
0: out the audience. Angel is- Heart. The what
1: heart? Angel Heart with Mickey Rourke.
0: Okay, yeah, Mickey Rourke
1: and Robert De Niro played the devil. Which the spoiler alert. <laughs> A little late on that one. <laughs> did you see that movie, Angel Heart?
0: I don't think I did.
1: Oh man! If I did,
0: it was a long, long time ago.
1: It was a long, long time ago. Yeah.
0: I think this is a really good time to bring up that both uh, Greg and I worked at, at in our early lives at a place called Video Droid, which is a video store in Mill Valley. Now, I worked there maybe six months to kind of supplement my lifestyle, but Greg, you worked there for quite a while, didn't you?
1: Yeah, a few years.
0: One of the things about VideoDroid was that they were really, really focused on being able to recommend very high-quality film. It wasn't just another place to slap VHS around and to draw the curtain around the porno. It was a place to actually be get recommendations from people that were well-informed. And so you could go in there, and their employee recommendation slot was actually some really, really great stuff. What was like some a film that you put on the recommendation um? shelf one time
1: an australian movie called bliss
0: Ooh, and what was it about that movie that you loved
1: well it's, well, it's brilliant for one um the plot it starts off on this storyline, and halfway through switches so the first half this guy has a heart attack and he's in the uh advertising realm i think has a heart attack and experiences heaven and hell Whoa. comes back, and he's wondering if he's really dead and in hell, or is he in heaven or is he back on earth like he's not sure what's going on and then halfway through it becomes a love story and it really shifts it was a, and it's not a sore thumb it's a beautiful transition, and I don't know of any other story that did that something wild kind of does because it's off on this sort of giddy comedic comedic love wild romp and then it turns intense so i'd say yeah that kind of does
0: Harry tries to reform and steer a morally correct path, abandoning most of the trappings of his previous and fluent life to the dismay of and disruption of everyone around him. He is seemingly tested by a series of bizarre and frightening events, including being sectioned to a psychiatric hospital. Fighting for his sanity, Harry flies, flees his home and takes up residence in a hotel where he meets a young hippie country girl, Honey Barbara who prostitutes herself and helps friends sell marijuana on the trips to the city to bring money back to their forest commune. That's just one synopsis. Now this movie is not to be confused with the 2012 movie, uh, or the 2021 film bliss, which, um, was actually really good too. Like, do you remember that? No. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, let me just quickly read the synopsis here. It, it's, you know, the, it's um, Owen Wilson and Selma Hayek.
1: Oh, I did see that. That was brilliant.
0: Yeah, really yeah. great. And it blurs the lines between reality and our perception of drugs. And it, 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 that, that too, is a good movie. So if a, you want to get yeah. blissed out, get a double feature of Bliss 1985 and Bliss 2021, and, you know, just check it out.
1: Yeah, Bliss 2021, that was really, that really, I forgot about that. Yeah. That was 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 solid because it really, like I'm left right now with this feeling of it never really told me what was real. You know, it really left it to me to decide what was real and what wasn't. Yeah.
0: That's the, one of the great things I think about the the best things about movies is when there's an aspect of them that's left open to interpretation. And I think that's why people find these uh, big blockbuster, you know, movies with their perfect resolutions at the end. So dissatisfying. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like, um, Oh, this is a crazy analogy, but it's like eating an ice cream sandwich that's made with that fake ice cream stuff. It tastes pretty good at first, but when you get to the end, it's like it's this weird aftertaste in your mouth. And and yeah, yeah. you're glad oh. you bought the ice cream sandwich. It was good, but it, was it wasn't really, really satisfying in the end. It was just like you know uh, that analogy
1: doesn't work because that fake ice cream sucks. Fuck! It's horrible, man. It's like putting a chemical pack into your mouth,
0: right? So, so why is it a shitty analogy if that's the? the if it, if
1: because there perfect. is no like that. Tastes pretty good. It doesn't exist. You hurt my feelings. Not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness.
1: Uh, Stay tuned for Mark and Greg's next movie, You Hurt My Feelings.
0: <laughs> where, where Mark cries on the podcast for the second time and has to have it cut out before it's posted on Monday.
1: I, I don't think you've ever actually cried on a podcast. Okay. By the well, time you got enough. on, you had brought yourself. I pulled to myself together. Very nicely. I was impressed. I was like, yeah, damn. Yeah, All right, so we've gotten way off the track of uh, colonization, racism, and Juan Santa Maria
0: <laughs> It's true. Um I think what's what I'd like to say about Juan Santa Maria that appeals to me is this idea that even against all odds when, you know, someone as powerful as as the United States is backing someone, you can as an individual take action that changes the course of history. Like don't ever count yourself out. Right? Right. And and keep going. Keep looking for ways to make an impact. In fact, Michael Franti just released a um, new song called Brighter Day, I think it's called, which is really uh, the, about the same thing.
1: Are we looking up the lyrics of Brighter Day?
0: Yeah. Um, I'm not looking them up. I just want to make sure I had the title right. So... Um, Go, Joe Bob says, go check it out.
1: <laughs> Joe Bob, there's a throwback. Yeah. Talk about horror movies.
0: Yeah. Joe so, Bob. for those of you who don't know, there was this uh, movie critic who kind of was a send-up of movie movie critics, and who embodied kind of the worst aspect of, um, you know, a Southern Texan white guy.
1: I don't think he embodied the worst. He back. rated movies based on boobs. Problem with that?
0: <laughs> Instead of stars, he talked about you know how much flesh was revealed. Yeah, definitely, he was no Siskel and Ebert. Speaking of boobs,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah. So he, Yeah. He liked Campy, Gore, like kind of what we were talking about that Tarantino and Rodriguez did with that double feature. That was his realm. And he just played with it. He had fun with it, you know?
0: Yeah, and he would once in a while review, you know, movies of the day, but he would he it was really not um a serious review.
1: Right. It was,
0: it was a way to kind of purloin and, and uh, poke holes at uh, movies of the day. And it, you know, I don't know if you ever reviewed any of the star Wars movies, which to me are sacrosanct. So (laughs) Doc Briggs reviewing empire strikes back or return of the Jedi would probably be something fun to read for me. (laughs) My blood pressure would go up for sure.
1: Oh dear. How is your blood pressure
0: today? It's great. All right. I had a thing happen Wednesday night, which was very uncomfortable. Um, I was all set to go perform at an open mic with uh, my friend Tomas on bass, and, and I was going to play electric guitar because the open mic allowed, like, full trio setup. And I'd been rehearsing the material, and I it was getting close to time to go and I wasn't feeling really strong and being able to, to play all the lyrics or, you know, sing all the lyrics properly. I hadn't committed them to memory as well as I was. And so I was getting more and more stage fright and it was, my anxiety was starting to get really bad. And, uh, I, I was like, I could feel my physiological debilitation. And I sat down and I took a BP reading and it was so high. I had to cancel. Oh, wow. And then on top of that afterwards, I was down on myself and feeling really blue because I was like, "Oh my God, like this is the thing I love the most."
1: This was the this is what I tell myself I want to do,
0: right? And then time
1: to do it,
0: right? And it wasn't working. I would have, it would have, real. I could have literally popped a gasket if I'd gone and done it. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, "It's not worth it." So I chilled out. I stayed at home. It was all okay. It wasn't a big deal except to me. And then, you know, within an an hour of making that decision, it, it, my blood pressure had totally changed and I was doing a lot better. And then, um, you know, I continue on my quest. And I had yesterday, I had some of the lowest readings I've had since I had my incident in December. So I'm on the path Thank and uh, I'm figuring out things, how to, how to make it, you know, work. But, uh, you know, paying attention to what, Stresses me, you know, and it, it, it's sad. What I realized is, if I had more command of those songs, I wouldn't have gotten uh, anxious. Well, I, I uh, was ready to go and perform some other songs, right? But I just decided that once I'd canceled, it was like, no. That's, no. So that's now, over. now I'm going to go just back and rehearse those songs some more until I can sing them perfectly. Um. And then I'll reschedule and and go back up there and and get back up on that horse and ride. It's funny too, because in the depth of my anxiety and my, my Shempa and my shame about it, I was like, well, maybe I should just smoke some weed and, and that'll make it fine. Truly alcoholic kind of thing. Of course, I've got almost five years cannabis free. That would have been the worst thing I could (laughs) do. But it's funny how when you get stressed and you, your old habitual, yeah, will do this right back there, ready to like kind of, yep,
1: yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what would fix this?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> uh-huh. last night I went and rehearsed with the the band, another right. band, doing different songs, and that went great. And when I got home, my BP was one of the best it's been. You know, so music is really healing for me.
1: Hey, uh, that's it, what I wanted to mention. I saw. uh now, I saw Bridge, as you call her, but Brig, so...
0: Bridge is her name.
1: Well, she was called Brig on this podcast, and she didn't correct the person. Okay. And they seemed like they were friends. Okay. Like, does she go by both?
0: Well, we why, why correct someone in the middle of a conversation unless it's really valuable to do so?
1: That's true. Okay, so Bridge. All right, so Bridge... Um was on this podcast that I listened to yesterday and they were both talking about frequencies and how they healing frequencies and they both were experiencing extreme back pain for different reasons. And both were feeling very healed by these frequencies. And I was wondering if that could be an element that you work with for your blood pressure.
0: I'm sure it could be. I mean, um, I, th- I, you know, what I notice is there are moments when the context of what I'm doing is triggers my elevated level of anxiety and it's not, always. I can't always use sound healing treatment in those moments. Right. <laughs> right. So the. The game I'm playing, the invitation that the universe has given me is to continue my work to desaturate my sense of traumatization and desaturate my sense of fear and anxiety and and just in general. And then whenever I'm in a situation where my BP goes up, if I'm coming from a reasonably good baseline, I I won't necessarily make it into a a mountain Right. It'll just be like one of you, like your BP probably goes up sometimes and you don't even notice or whatever. Right. So, you know, um, the other point that I had a, a, a secondary meeting with the founder and the president of a, a company in New York who is considering using me as an executive coach all right. And I noticed that during the first meeting, my blood pressure went up. And then on the second meeting with his president and him, I had a much more baseline level. Like I, once I got into a certain kind of homeostasis in my body and I just realized there's going to be challenging moments and I can't like give up. I can't, you know, um, just call in sick to life. It's not going to work. So, you know, um, I love the fact that I'm mature and, and uh, willing to speak about my health issues in public and to just be seen by by the world. I hope that in some small way that my courage and big hearted willingness to be, you know, transparent in these podcasts and in other ways somehow makes even a small difference in someone's life or maybe a big impact. You know, just like we were talking about with. Um, Juan Santa Maria Rodriguez, you know, sometimes you just stand up and you don't, you don't come from a long history of greatness. You're not from a wealthy family or from a history of people who've all gone to West Point, but you know that right now, despite the fact that it feels like you're going to die, if you step forward and do the thing, follow your inspiration, it's entirely possible that you'll make a, a really important contribution to humanity and people will celebrate you and, and life will be better as a result of you stepping forward with courage. And, you know, I don't do it because I'm narcissistic and I want to be, um, have a statue made of me or whatever, but I'm, you know, I'm a pleaser. Like I've, I'm a people pleaser. Like I know this about myself. I like, when I was a little kid, it was a survival mechanism. Mommy you know, had to be funny? protected. <laughs> I'm a people pleaser. My life was in danger, right? And, and so now uh-huh. that that's it's transformed itself into a, a really hon- well honed skill set. And so the idea is to use it consciously and volitionally instead of habitually as a safety right. mechanism.
1: I'm a people pleaser too. Like in my 20s, people used to call me the pleaser. Yeah, please yeah. Wilker. Yeah. Pleaser Wilker.
0: Right. And it's it's really a turnoff for women. It's definitely, you know, we think no, they love they it. Want. They love it for all, for friend zone reasons.
1: They used to refer to me as the vibrator. <laughs> really? Really?
0: I thought you said they called you the pleaser.
1: Is there a difference?
0: The Vibrolux. The monkey dog pleaser.
1: Yeah. A lot of people, like I hear stories of people that were upset with me, but then when I actually talk with them, I find out they're just stories that the actual person wasn't ever really upset with me. Yeah. 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 You know, like that incident that you and I know of? between you and I yes it never really happened because like you remember it on Miller I remember it in your house it's not real
0: what's not real anymore it was real I'm a people pleaser right
1: that's what I'm about (laughs) making sure everyone's feeling happy (laughs) right
0: whether it impacts you or not with
1: I tiptoe around your trigger areas (laughs)
0: with vibrating uh, toes exactly <laughs> here tiptoe around this trigger area
1: yeah I like massage your trigger areas <laughs> do you have psychological triggers let me massage them into <laughs> for you here
0: let me let me poke at your psyche with a sharp stick of no of, no no a, that's not what I do mistake.
1: no no I vibrate them into ecstasy <laughs>
0: Wow. This podcast has really gone off the rails. (laughs) See, you never know what you're going to be in for when you strap yourself on the back of a moped with these two guys.
1: Yeah. I think the hallucinogenics are hitting. (laughs) Hey, have you started your second year of um, hermetic?
0: Yes, absolutely. Our first... um, Well, we've been doing assignments this week. They're relatively simple, but our first gathering of the new um, cohort is tomorrow. And it's the new cohort, but it's the old cohort. It's everybody that graduated.
1: We're all referred to as adepts. Lauren's online with us.
0: Lauren, welcome. (laughs) We're going to have a guest sometime soon.
1: Bridge. all right. Um, so I'm sorry to interrupt. You're yeah, saying... we start.
0: We're going to have our first discussion tomorrow. And the assignments we've had this week were to do some, you know, um, 60 second sermons that are going to be published. So uh, I created a 60 second sermon. I have another one due by the end of the month. We have um, basically been asked to continue all of the daily practices that we do, journaling, meditation you know, checking in and um we're gonna read um oh, I don't have it right in front of me. So we're gonna start reading this book that's you know taking uh, taking us into the next level of hermetic practices, which is going to be about The sneeches. The sneeches. That's right. It's about sneeching on each other, you know. Um sneeches and bleaches and meeches and deeches and um peaches, peach pie.
1: <laughs> Millions of peaches. Peaches for free.
0: Yeah. No, um, there's going to be some magic practice now. This is where we start to work on bringing all of the elements of our discipline together into creating something real out of our imaginings, out of our visions. Uh Um, Rendering into the three-dimensional plane the possibility of our creation and bringing it forth and that, you know, doing that from a very practical sense, but also from a hermetic um, and mystical sense. Um, The other thing I think is worth mentioning is that as we speak live on Friday during this broadcast, a really good friend and heart brother of mine, Bobby G is having a minor surgery. And uh, he asked me to send him love and light support him in his health and recovery. And so I'm just calling in the ancestors, the masculine archetypes, the four winds, the four directions, the elements. So that Bob is well taken care of and is his, his light and love gets to continue for um, many years to come. And so it is.
1: Amen. Yeah. Hey, did you see that the, um, California, whoever it is that tests the snowpack, they just did a test. I think it was this last week at the beginning of the week. Did you see that? No. Tell. And our snowpack is at 33% of normal. Wow.
0: So maybe Marin Municipal Water District will put the um, desalinization plant back online and start building that dam Uh, pipeline that they tabled when it rained. It rained one day, and they're like, well, maybe we don't really (laughs) need to do this.
1: That's what's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, our winter, like our rainy season started off so huge. Everyone was like, yay. The whole restrictions were lifted in Moran. Yay. And it's like, oh, (laughs) that was short-lived.
0: Well, My guess is that as you're listening to this on Monday morning, you're, you're listening and it's raining. That's what's happening right now. Hey, Lauren healing love to Bobby G. She says, see it's working. The hermetic practice of magic is working. Yep. Yeah. It's
1: beautiful. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's nothing serious. He's not in any danger, but you know.
1: You know what's love. interesting? I, I'm on TikTok following this woman in England who got this weird disease out of the blue, where she was dying. It was like serious, like yeah, like she passed out. I forget the name of it, but they had to amputate her hands and like part of her legs and stuff. Like super, and check this is the weird part they grafted new flesh, like, onto her hands, and they, like, had them sewn to her torso so that the torso, like, the blood vessels and the living structure of the torso was feeding this new structure of her hands. And she called them Sharky because, like, her hand was, like, this sort of mound of flesh and she would do these funny little jokes, like draw an eye right here. And, and she went like, doo do, doo do, do. Doo. You know, she's got like a really good mindset for what she's been through. And I'm sure she's just showing the best of it. She does talk about the challenges she's had, but it just amazed the I thought, I mean, like you're talking about how Bobby G has this minor surgery, nothing like what, what, There are some wonderful miracles happening with modern medical practices right now that are pretty amazing.
0: I agree. Have you seen? um,
1: um... I have twice, and (laughs) I was amazed.
0: Yeah, it was going to be a good joke, except for I I, I haven't had my MCT oil today.
1: <laughs> Thus, the commercial earlier, for those of you who missed it. Take your um, THC oil. THC.
0: If I'd said it, it would have been funny, but now it's too late. If I say it now, it's just going to go like...
1: It's too late to fall in love. Because I'm going to shoot you in the head.
0: Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so is this acting job that you have access to, is it a full length feature or is it a, it is. Or,
1: yeah. so well, how
0: many scenes are you in?
1: I don't know. It's one of the main characters.
0: Oh, so you, you could have, you know, quite a few lines.
1: Yeah. And right. I was in a commercial yesterday and I was supposed to be line. Perfect off off book. And I wasn't, and I kicked myself in the head. Now I got Alkalades from the director. It's fine. I'm not happy with my performance. I was not off book line perfect. And I just.
0: You're obviously not drinking enough MCT oil.
1: I'm not fucking starting to study my lines in time to have them off book in time. That's mm. what the problem is. I just mm. kept pushing it off. Are I you angry about of, this? I am. I'm pissed at myself. Yeah. A fucking idiot. Like what I did in the past 72 hours I should have started last week because I did great work. Isn't it funny me. how
0: you go to an audition and they say, thank you. That was great. We'll call. We'll you know, you know, and right. And it's like, you're the director. You said he gave you accolades, but you don't trust those. Do you
1: not really? <laughs> right.
0: So <laughs> I there's got a whole <laughs> like, nice thing that we do for each other in those situations where we just like, but meanwhile, you know,
1: well, right? I, I was on. So here's the thing. I was on the gig. I had the gig. So if I wasn't doing a good job, they would have stopped me. And and the people I was acting with were having trouble also. And they did stop and th- accommodations were made for them struggling through the lines. So it was but a commercial? A, it was a, yeah, like an, an industrial. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And- not SAG, non union but an industrial was, there
0: was no teleprompter
1: no they did rig one up for the guy like the person yeah okay and but an you impromptu didn't teleprompter. teleprompter i didn't have one but, but you, and they didn't accommodate me so i think like from a logical perspective
0: we'll cut around this guy but well, this guy not, we got to get course, right
1: of course <laughs> of course i'm thinking that but yeah i just and here's what i settled on because it's interesting that interview with um bridge she was talking about her own voices of critical speak and Uh you know the work she's done to heal that and rise through that um so luckily like i'm listening to that while this voice in my head's going you suck they're gonna cut your shit head and um So, my what I've landed on is the lesson for me is to do better with the responsibility of having my lines known.
0: Yeah, agreed. Prepare better. And that little voice of evil is always looking, lurking, ready to undermine uh, ourselves. And we've got to be more kind to ourselves.
1: Be more kind to yourself. Stroke if you're gonna stroke. people
0: please, people please yourself.
1: People please yourself. <laughs> uh, another word for masturbation. Yeah. People please yourself. P P Y. Louie
0: Louis. Louis.
1: <laughs> oh oh oh! Go we on. We
0: gotta now. go now. Yeah, go yeah, yeah 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 yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's one line like, if she's on the rag, I'll work above. Um, no. I wonder if you look up dirty lyrics of Louie well, sure Louie.
0: There's, you know, uh, dirty lyrics, but I have the lyrics right here.
1: Fine little girl, she waits for me. Me catch the ship for across the sea. I sail the ship all alone. I never think me make it home. Three nights and days, me sail the sea. Me think of girl constantly. On the ship I dream she there, I smell the rose in her hair. Me see Jamaica moon above, it won't be long, me see my love, me take her in me arms and then I tell her I never leave again. So that's the, the lyrics you have?
0: Yep. That's it. Nothing in there about anything um you know untoward.
1: Wow, check this out. The FBI got involved with the song. That time, the Indiana teens ratted out dirty Louie Louie lyrics, and the FBI got involved. Two small-town teenagers got upset with the obscene lyrics they heard in a new rock and roll song on the radio. So they did something about it. They wrote to their governor.
0: Well, there's nothing uh, dirty about these lyrics,
1: well, I think what happened is they heard the lyrics and um
0: what they heard was their own dirtiness from within their head.
1: Right, exactly. They,
0: right. That's what that's it. It's that same thing. It's the that that shempa that that part of us that's lurking there for disapproval.
1: Yeah. So many people like I remember um <clears throat> Yeah, and wish you were here. And Mike and I had a disagreement about the lyrics, and he thought it was. Now I forget what he thought. It was there was the line with the fish. Are we the same fish with hooks in our mouth? (laughs) Louis, Louis, whoa!
0: Oh my lord! Well, brother. Next week, we'll talk about r- real dirty songs. How about that? We'll bring up songs like Darling Nikki and um, what's, what's the one from Spinal Tap? Um, Big Bottom. Big Bottom? Yeah.
1: Recording stopped.